Well, welcome to Friday, and everybody knows Friday is time to go Inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Savalero, and this episode of the Inside EMS podcast is sponsored by Boundtree Medical. Learn how Boundtree can help you save minutes and lives at Boundtree.com. And with me always to the chair to my right is my good friend, the one we call Kelly Grayson. Kelly Grayson, how are you doing, Kelly? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. It's uh, it's a good day. I'm probably going to put my jet ski on the water and and uh, and do some social distancing on the water. Is it jet ski day? Yeah, it's well. It's going to be jet ski day as soon as I uh, as soon as I get through this podcast and 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 go gas up the ski. All right. Well, have fun with that. Uh, any day on the water is better than uh, any day in the <laughs> office. I'll tell right. you that. That's right. You know, Kelly, so, you know, we get a lot of uh, comments about the show. We've got a lot of people who reach out to us after we, you know, continue our uh, discussions to say, hey, good show. What the heck were you thinking? What's going on with that? And, uh, you know, we really appreciate those. You know, we set the premise of two guys sitting in the truck talking about everything that everybody else is talking about. And over the past couple of shows, we've had the opportunity to kind of talk about some of the things that are going on that have to be able to be in the forefront of EMS leaders' minds and to uh, make sure that EMS gets the very best that we can out of this hard work we're doing during the pandemic. And uh, one of our good friends was listening and wanted to be able to bring us up to speed on some of the things that are going on inside of EMS at the top levels because you and I are saying that the leaders who are running the career field have to be able to make certain that these things happen for our sustainable future. Well, what are those things and what is exactly going on? Well, we are excited to bring our international correspondent. He's been my international correspondent for decades now. My good friend, Rob Lawrence. Rob, welcome to the Inside EMS podcast once again. Chris and Kelly, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Uh, and as you know, I'm your SoundCloud neighbor. We share the same space. So if you listen to me, all you need to do is hang on a second. And there you guys are. That's right. And you are there. And you were doing an incredible job with your uh, with your column, as well as kind of giving the overview of, mm-hmm. you know, I don't always have time to read. And I appreciate your insight. I appreciate you, uh, you know, helping guide, and uh, sometimes I don't have the opportunity to read it, but I can download it and listen to it for seven, eight, nine, ten minutes, and really get the gist of what you were trying to uh, get out there. And I got to tell you, if you're not uh, paying attention to Rob, you really need to do that. Thanks, Chris. Uh, but it's all about the guy in the truck, so you know you don't have a chance to read. But again, listen to you guys. Hang on a second, and I follow up as the next uh, speaker so it's uh, it's very useful way to to reach the masses uh, in this very uh, this career field that we're in i agree so you know rob you you are an avid listener you probably need to become not only our international correspondent but the president of the chris and kelly inside ems fan club and we'll talk about the <laughs> we'll talk about the strategies to that a little bit later but you listen to the First show you listen kelly and chris fan club. i'm sorry that's right let's make sure we put kelly just remember chris kelly I'm always the big spoon. So remember, I'm always the big spoon. So <laughs> I, I just have to ask then, is there merch? <laughs> That's right. So, um, but uh, we'll get it. I mean, we're going to get inside EMST. Got to get the merch. That's got to right. have the merch. 
So, um, but Rob, I, I, let's go ahead and talk about it. So in the show before last, you know, last show we talked about what does the future of EMS look like, 40% decrease, BLS system, so on and so forth. But the show before that, we were really kind of talking about the challenges that are going on inside this career field. And in the sense of people aren't getting the money they need from federal stimulus because they're private. EMS not getting uh, uh, recognized as tier one pr uh, providers, so they can't get the PPE they need uh, to buy offline or wherever they're finding resources because it goes to the hospitals first. Uh, you know, the, the thing about uh, hazard duty pay, again, it's not going to be recognized for people that are in the private EMS sector. And we've been saying for a long time that the EMS leaders, the AAA, the, the, the members of our national associations, the, you know, the members at the uh, state EMS organizations, if they don't really make a splash during this time of COVID, I've made this comment that it's going to set EMS back into the 70s and not really bring us forward. You do have some insight on that, and maybe you can kind of bring the listeners up to what's going on at the high levels of our career field and how you guys are actually trying to make this time be the future of EMS. Well, thank you for that, Chris. And I, you know, I agree. For many, for many years, I've said that EMS is the last great health and social care safety net. Said it, said it often, many conferences. Well, it's coming true now. And uh, of course, to quote to Gary Ludwig, you know, we are the warriors on the tip of the spear right now doing what we're doing. And we're doing all of this for each other, for our citizens and for our organizations, um, a band of brothers. But there is this opportunity now and to sort of say, you know, we've got our war, Andy Warhol 15 minutes of fame where we are in the spotlight. We are working very, very hard to make sure that we can use this to demonstrate to those elected officials, those people that are making the difference between how we're reimbursed. And I know the guys on the truck, you know, don't have too much affection or affinity to that. But at the end of the day, if we don't fill the bucket of money, we can't pay people to do the job they love to do. So we're using this opportunity to show and showcase what's happening in EMS and things like the front, who'd have thought, who'd have thunk, the front cover of Time magazine, um, New York Times, Washington Post, all of these big, uh, big national publications, and also the political ones like The Hill are taking our story so that to show exactly what we're doing and to demonstrate our worth and the big word that Matt Zavadsky always quite correctly uses, our value. The value proposition is that we're out here doing a fantastic job. We're actually a cost-effective organisation but the problem is the price of readiness, the cost of readiness, is something that isn't factored into the way that, that, that financial calculations are made. And therefore, look at what we're doing, hear what we're saying. And when we have things like stimulus and, and other benefit rounds, Medicare particularly, this is what we're doing and what we're worth. And so there's a lot of work going into that right now. Um, there's also a lot of lobbying and a lot of legislation. There's a lot of organizations, and I could name them, but start with A and end up with, with Z, uh, that going on to make sure that people are aware of these things that are happening. Um, political lobbying is an interesting game uh, in itself. It takes a lot of time, effort, uh, and patience sometimes to do that. But everybody is working and pulling out all of the stops uh, never before have I seen letters to, to the Congress, letters to the President, letters to anybody up on the Hill with joint logos on top. That's happening right now because obviously we're all focusing on the one thing, which is to make sure, Chris and Kelly, that our industry doesn't become the real casualty of COVID. 
and so there are a number of things, number of asks, and of course uh, I'll plug my own column. I'm focusing very much on those things. Um, last week uh, we talked about PSOB, Public Safety Officers Benefits. Uh, good news is that uh, they've extended line of duty death PSOB benefits to the to 45 days from your last shift if you die with a COVID-like condition, which is fantastic and it's quite right and quite proper. But actually, for the third of the nation that delivers EMS being the private sector working for the public sector under contract, under exclusive operating areas, for those folk that face the same challenges right now, there isn't the same benefit right now. And so we're, we're working hard. And there's also sorts of arguments, Chris and Kelly, about, well, they should have private insurance, etc. Well, it's a different kettle of fish when you're on the front line and you die in the line of duty. And mm -hmm. so there's lots of work that's going on there. Even two days ago, I saw a letter from the Joint Democrats of New Jersey. Think about that for a second. Uh, into the government to say we're losing private providers now. Please, please, even for the even for the the extent of this emergency, change the rule, change the law, change the regulations. So we're seeing lots of movement here, but it's taking a lot of time and a lot of effort to do that. Obviously, things you mentioned, PPE, there's a lot of pressure being put on the centre to make sure that, uh, you know, we are in there in the considerations. Now, I think slightly good news is that because people are now striking up relationships with their emergency management departments, and of course, there is an opportunity there to get to the front of the queue. Now, you know, the, the, the stock isn't great, but it's it's there, but we need to do better with that as well. Um, and so we are working extremely hard right now i think uh, at the top although sometimes these things are you know behind the curtain and you don't get a chance to really see what's happening uh, but uh, it's there because we realize to the point that you guys made a few weeks ago we have our moment here if we lose that moment then we perhaps have lost and i do agree with you there uh, i find it it's always educational rob to to understand and, and be aware of what they are doing, you know, and as rank and file EMS providers, uh, all too often, uh, they is some nebulous term of, uh, of policymakers. We're really not quite sure who they are, uh, who are speaking on our behalf, but it's, it's nice to know that, that, uh, um, in those other 51 weeks of the year, uh, outside of EMS week that, uh, eight, uh organizations like the AAA and, and AEMT and APA are, are, are out there advocating for EMS tirelessly. Um, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the the PSOB benefits, yeah. and I don't think a, um, a great many providers understand that, and uh, that that it only applies to municipals and taxpayer based services and uh, taxpayer funded services, and not to the privates. Uh, right. But it is great to see that elected officials are advocating. Uh, to change that rather than the private EMS providers themselves. We, so we have other people uh, uh, trumpeting our cause, uh, the people who actually make those decisions. Um, it's, that's, you know, I, I think we're, we're actually making some progress in that regard. And uh, it's nice to see during this, this groundswell of public support for EMS that, uh, that uh, other advocates are coming into play besides the, the usual suspects. Yeah, it's, as John Krasinski would say, there's some good news there. And the some good news is that people are yeah. now seeing this and advocating it. But it's sad that it had to come to the point where people were dying on literally their watch and their turf uh, before it happened. But the good, some good news is that people are 
rallying and lobbying. So, you know, Rob, I do want to I do want to kind of switch gears. I mean, it's good to hear that we're really trying to make a uh, effort into, you know, bringing EMS into the forefront. And and my, my challenge is, is that we're talking to all these officials and they're nodding their head when we're there. Or we're sending all these letters and really what's going to be done about it. So I want to get your opinion about that. And I also want to shift gears as we talk about this, what EMS is going to look like after COVID. But before we do that, as your partner in EMS for over 40 years, Bountry has made it their goal to provide you with more than emergency medical supplies and equipment. Bountry partners with you to create efficiencies within your agency, streamline your operations, and help you find ways to make the most out of your budget. Your dedicated account manager will be your true partner acting as your professional advisor to help you determine which solutions are right for you and your specific needs. To find out more, to set up a new account, visit Boundtree.com or call 800-533-0523. So I kind of set you up good, Rob, as we went into that little read. And, you know, what is it going to take for the lawmakers to do for us what they need to do? And, you know, because it's always great when we're in their office. They are the, they are the advocate of EMS. They are going to be the change of EMS. You know, they, are, they understand. They, they feel our pain. But yet there's nothing getting done about it. And why is this going to be any different? Well, you know, Chris, all politics are local. Um, and, you know, you talked about having that day on the hill, EMS on the hill or various other advocacy days that you have when we all troop up to Washington and, and yes, and have the photograph and have the have the moments. Well, don't leave it there. Here's the thing that uh, that person that you saw on the hill is actually your neighbor somewhere in your your locality your county. That person lives there. That person represents you. So don't leave it there. Keep it going. Maintain the contact Offer them a ride along, keep in touch with their staff, um, write letters if you need to, because whilst they're in Washington, they're actually from your area. And they need you and they need that photograph of you for a number of things. One, to help you, hopefully, but also to show that they're doing a great job and therefore keep up with them in the other, as Kelly would say, the other 51 weeks of the year, because they represent you in your local area. Um, all politics are local. Also, in terms of the fact that we drive a huge billboard, we are there for everybody to see. And there are boards of supervisors. There are elected officials. There's city and town councils. There's the state assemblies, which also have influence or lawmaking abilities, uh, particularly in this uh, this event in the covid it's, it is totally local because, of course, it comes back down to if you're in a, a fire department based EMS, your funding is coming from the tax base. Nobody's paying taxes, nobody's shopping, nobody's doing anything. So there's all sorts of things that are affecting us, not only nationally, but also locally. And so therefore, EMS leaders and EMS need to think about the fact that we, we are there to create an influence everywhere, every week, Kelly. And so we shouldn't we shouldn't forget that. And we need to be using that and doing a better job, frankly, at from top to bottom uh, to Indeed. keep in touch. Rob, one thing that, that I found interesting was um, in our in our pre-recording conversation, we were talking about how our focus uh, during this pandemic has, has narrowed and many of the, the uh, movements in EMS and the, the things that were, were going to affect us greatly have kind of been backburnered, uh, namely the ET3 pilot and uh, and the cost collection survey, which I know that the cost collection survey was, was a source of... of consternation and worry for a great many EMS providers 
And one of the things I've noticed, and, and Nancy and I have noticed in, in our conversations with various uh, EMS agencies around the country, is they were really, really, uh, either really, really concerned on how they were going to complete that cost collection survey, and, and a distressingly high percentage of, of agencies didn't really know about it or care about it and didn't consider it a priority. Uh, I know that a, a great, uh, one of the problems with the current Medicare fee schedule is, because, is that, that uh, of the, the people, the agencies who, who had input into the development of that fee schedule uh, was not really representative of most of the EMS. I think most of the, uh, the private providers' um, uh, uh, information came from one national EMS agency that could leverage economies of scale. Um, when do you see ET3 coming back online and, and, and uh, the focus shifting back to that cost collection survey? I'm going to have a follow-up question for you after this. No worries. Uh, l let me eat this elephant one bite at a time. So let's talk about ET3. One of the great cries of COVID is, well, stop paying us this because we're doing it right now. The things that ET3 talked about, which, of course, is having... The, the, the telemedicine angle, Indeed. having the treat on scene angle, all of a sudden, by default, we're doing it. And if you look at the, the, the book of the now book of CMS waivers that are out there, lots of concessions for telemedicine, uh, you know, lots of uh, indications that these things are coming in and people are starting to like it. and People are starting to realize, actually, this isn't too bad now. I don't mind having a telemedicine consultation rather than drive to the hospital, etc. So the things that we were trying to prove with ET3, we started to do for real. And so I did that very thing to Chris myself multiple times. He just doesn't listen. Well, 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 well of course he doesn't. Um, but uh, <laughs> but so the, what, I'm but sorry, the, I'm the, sorry, the Kelly. What did you say? I didn't. <laughs> That's all right. He'll edit that out in the final cut. Don't worry, mate. So in summary. We, we were doing all those things we set we set out to try and prove with the 200 and odd agencies we had asked let's just start paying us now and of course the response was well they're different governmental departments and therefore one can't one can't authorize the payment for the other uh once again we're transport aren't we not health so mm -hmm. and that's another story for another show for another day so that's the, the, the first part. Now, remind me of your second part of the question, Kelly. Um, when is, uh, uh, what's the status of the cost collection survey and when will that be ramped back up and, and do? So as we saw last week, I think the cost collection survey was uh, postponed and I have mixed feelings about that, first of all, because the problem is we are trying desperately to demonstrate how much it actually costs to run this business. Um, we run a business where we're only paid for three quarters of the time by taking someone to a hospital uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to other alternative destinations. And of course, it costs us 100% of the time to run the business in terms of being ready, being prepared, uh, etc. And so in order to do things like affect Medicare rates, etc., we need to be able to demonstrate the truth in what it costs to run a business. And so the longer we delay that, the longer we don't have the argument to say, we've done the cost collection, this is how much it really costs to run the business, and we need to be up-funded. Um, and so that, to me, is, as I say, it's it's bittersweet because I was looking forward to it. Um, but, of course, we need time to recover from COVID, but it's actually costing us more during the COVID era than it was before the COVID era in terms of... Uh, mm -hmm 
in, in terms of that cost of readiness, the cost particularly of equipment uh, is, is driving you know, finances through the roof to the point where people are, you know, again, layoffs, furloughs, uh, uh, redundancy is something I never thought I'd hear in a public service <laughs> yeah. or public public service. But there you go. You know, some some of these are for pure and true financial reasons. Sometimes it seems to be a little bit political. OK, if I don't get what I want, I'm going to lay the cops and the firefighters off. Um, but nevertheless, who'd have thought uh, six months ago we'd be having this particular discussion? But I think for the point of understanding how much it truly costs to do business, we need to understand how much it truly costs to do business. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be that survey. Um, to your other, to your minor, to your secondary yes. point on that is that perhaps okay, we need to do a better job. I slightly disagree that it wasn't just the one large national organisation providing costs. There was a cross section of those that were initially pinged to uh-huh. deliver that. Um, if we need to do a better job on instructing people in how to collect and input those costs, then clearly that's a learning point that we need to take forward. But again, if we don't understand how much it costs to do business, we can't argue for the uh-huh. things that we want, which, of course, is investment in our profession. So are, are there, my follow-up question to that was, are, are there tools uh, and support uh, available and, and where for those smaller EMS agencies to actually complete uh, this this cost collection survey? I know for a fact that the American Ambulance Association would have information on their website. I'm sure there are uh, webinars, etc. Kelly, and what I'll do is I will do a little bit of homework and hopefully I'll put, help give you some links to put in the show notes okay. uh, as you go forward. I think it's probably the, the easiest way to do it. What is, uh, and, and one final question, um, what are we going to do when all of these uh, uh, millions of patients uh, post-pandemic suddenly lose their insurance benefits? When, when we when we are faced with uh, still going to be having to take care of those patients, transport those patients, but suddenly they're uninsured, uh, how's that going to affect the EMS? It's going to require more belt tightening, I suspect. It comes back to our previous discussion over we need to identify how much it costs to be ready to deliver EMS. Remember, it's the cost of readiness, uh, mm-hmm. so therefore we can't respond if we don't we don't have anybody in the station. Um, it's going to be problematic because, of course, another one of my standard lectures is this month's income is derived from last month's calls or the month before that's calls. And obviously, yeah. as less people are calling, there's less income coming into the industry. But then, of course, we have the fact that people now less people are insured or to use pay terminology, self-pay. Um, and there is going to be a problem there because we're going to have to try and make money somehow. And I'm not talking about making money to go home in your Rolls Royce. I'm talking about money to make sure the medic on the truck gets an income. So we're going to have to look at that very, very, very carefully. Um, And that's why we need the legislative effort to help bail us out. My other concern is that that COVID has been a disruptor. It's been a health disruptor. It's also been a business disruptor. And of course, when you have disruption, you have things that pop up that are new or innovative or different or ways of coping. And so... A lot of the sort of boutique EMS that have a element of, you know, nurse practitioner, doctor, telephone triage, primary uh-huh. care, and they're out there right now. But of course, what they do is they they will take off the fee paying 
insured patients that that still have the time and the insurance to have their treatment at home and actually on the positive side of course though it was probably pays better it will take emts and paramedics away from the industry too but the core steam driven ambulance service will then be left to cope with the uninsured um and it's a it's a moral and a, a, a financial issue that we're going to have to be prepared yeah. and planned for coming up probably very soon and and we we are historically our own worst enemies in this regard uh because we uh due to our poor documentation we're we're still getting millions uh of, of uh, millions of dollars in, in reimbursement denied uh week in and week out because we can't simply provide the information that it takes to get paid uh that's uh that's going to be a problem as well it's always been a problem but it's going to be a, an even bigger problem in this uh coming era of belt tightening you think there's a, a group going around the net and i don't know who's involved with it but i sort of caught some peripherals of this and there are some you know fairly uh, provable claims that we are as you say leaving money on the table and it comes back down to history taking and documentation and you know, you, you, you and Chris are the guys on the truck. Well, to the guys on the truck, it sometimes can be a pain to take a refusal. It can be a pain to complete the full history using your A chart or whatever method you're using. But it's that piece of charting and nobody's saying create it in order to make it, you know, to make it to, to maximize the income. You just need to actually tell exactly what happened on the day in the document in order for it to be coded and therefore build and the you know the when i was the chief of alameda we we went through this process of actually looking at where we you know and this is this is the manager speaking not the guy in the truck who was causing us to lose most money and it wasn't the case of going back and saying you owe me the hundred thousand dollars you just cost me it was to say actually your charting is is needs a little bit of work because you're missing the following things now to, to sort of help people understand that if you get called before a court of law and you're standing in front of a fairly aggressive um lawyer who's trying mm -hmm. to sue your organization or god help you you they're going to be flashing that bit of paper in front of you which was your chart that you completed that was incomplete mm -hmm. and so think about it that way think about that think about the sort of you know i'm, I'm in front of uh, i'm under oath in front of a judge and jury accounting for my poor charting not a good day you don't want to ever have that day but yeah. also the same process should lead you to produce everything you need to do for that chart to make it legitimately billable in order to yeah. gain the income in order to do things like give you a pay rise so it's, yeah. a, it's a vicious circle kelly yeah that yeah something i've said myself uh in in many many lectures over the years uh if you're ever called to court um uh, it's your attorney's job to make you look like a saint. It's the plaintiff's attorney's job to make you look like an idiot. And the weapon each one of them will use is your patient care report. It's up to you to decide who it's more valuable to. Um, Absolutely. COVID or not, it's something that yeah. we just need to pay attention to. We, we, we don't pay attention enough to that. But, Rob, good thoughts all. It's nice to, to hear the background and the insider view on the advocacy that's going on for EMS and, and, and what our large representative organizations are doing for us while we're out busy rendering the, uh, the care needed for our patients. And, and we'd like to uh, thank you very much for, 
for uh, uh, being on the show. Um, and uh, great questions raised and great answers provided. Well, let me just throw that back at you and Chris. Obviously, as I said, that uh, you are my metaphorical guys on the truck. But to the real guys on the truck, thank you all for what you're doing. Um, it is an amazing job right now against some awful um, operating conditions. The things that, that you're seeing out there um, will be etched on your memory for a long time. Uh, but it is a defining moment for us all right now. But mostly, thank you. Just thank you so, for so much. Thank you. Um, but hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. What's the, how's the belt tightening going to affect you post COVID nineteen pandemic? Uh, what do you think more that our representative EMS agencies could be doing to advocate on our behalf to leverage the goodwill that we've generated? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems onecom and for myself and co-host Chris Cibolero and our international correspondent, Mr. Rob Lawrence, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>